Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Hi, everybody. Good morning. So glad to see you today. Thanks for coming and joining us. We're in a season here in our weekend services um, where we're focusing on some of the basic questions of life and the basic questions we have as human beings and as believers. We're uniting around these truths and even sharing these truths with people who seek to understand. Uh, This summer we asked ourselves, who could we go and tell our faith to? And, And we each set a personal goal of of how many gospel conversations we could have in the next 90 days. We're about a month into that now, and uh, just kind of a fun way to celebrate that, and as a fun reminder, we've got the Go and Tell wall out there um, that uh, represents um, hundreds of conversations so far, but if you've had a gospel conversation, you told someone that you believe in Jesus Christ, uh, you've had a conversation about your faith, maybe it was as simple as inviting them to church or giving them an invite card or something like that, I'd encourage you to take a, a ping pong ball and a sharpie and write their name on it and drop it in the wall. It'll be a reminder to pray for them and just a visual reminder of, of what the season is about. Maybe you're here today because someone invited you and someone uh, cared enough about you and what they believe to share uh, what they believe with you and invite you uh, to where they gather with the church and worship. And uh, maybe you're here today um, because you're seeking answers to these questions that were on the screen. Today we're answering the question, is God good? And no matter who we are, we all experience difficulty. Now, the degree of difficulty and the degree of life severity is going to differ from person to person. If we were all to stand up and, and share where we hurt today, it's going to vary in severity. But one thing is true is no, no one's going to have nothing. We all experience pain. We all, we all wrestle with this. As I say this, many people around the world are experiencing heartbreaking realities right now. And in every season of our lives, in every place of our existence, there is tension and conflict and grief. And when the difficulties show up, when the grief shows up, we crave an answer. We long for an answer. We want an explanation. That's just part of what makes us us. That's what makes us human. But when we can't find the answers on our own, um, or we can't find an answer that satisfies, we'll make up an answer of our own. And if you're like me, the answer is often not a good one. And consequently, our response to the pain and how we decide to answer the pain has an effect on us and the people around us. Because if I come up with my own answer and it's not a good one, that could actually cause more pain to me and the people around me. That's why we're preaching on this. That's why it's so crucial we get it right. Because we need a good answer. And I just want to give a big qualifier to today's message And that is that when you're right in the middle and right in the midst of personal pain, a logical discussion on good and evil and a logical conversation about why we experience pain is really not the most helpful thing, is it? 
And, and, and why we, to talk about why we experience suffering and pain is not always the most helpful. And even when you're right in the middle of it, a logical conversation can even be seen as offensive. But I just want you to understand that I know that. And that if from the outset of today, if you can see that our goal is not to offend and you hear the heart behind this, that you may find some help here and I believe you'll find something helpful here and I think you'll find compassion in God's word and I think you will find through the power of God's word that God's word can lift the weight of the world off of your shoulders and you can experience some relief today and some compassion today and maybe in the midst of your pain you could even be a light to the people who have come today searching for answers to one of life's biggest questions. This is a big question. Uh, it's been talked about all the time. Sometimes it's helpful for me to just realize, hey, I'm not the first person to ask this. In fact, 300 BC, 300 BC, a Greek philosopher said, is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able but not willing? Then he's malevolent. So he's either not all-powerful or he's malevolent. He just doesn't care to do it. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? Why call him good? Why worship him as God? And this question, this is called the problem of pain. This is the problem of pain. And if we're honest today, the problem of pain is very personal. And it may have started at a, at a young age for you where you experienced pain or disappointment. Maybe you uh, are, are in something today that you're experiencing new levels of pain that you could never even imagine. But anytime you get a group of people together, and I remind myself of this every week when I come to preach, that anytime you get a group of people together, there's one guarantee, and that is that someone is experiencing pain. And there's a lot of pain in our church. Someone sitting in the seat you're sitting in this weekend Someone's going to sit in that seat who's carrying a lot of pain with them. And that someone may be you. So why do we experience this pain? And there, there are reasons. If you're taking notes, let's just jump into this. Number one, we experience pain because the world is broken. So what we're seeing and experiencing is not the way that it's supposed to be. This is not what it was meant to be. This isn't Guys, this isn't the way God wants it to be. When God had things his way, they were not like this. Okay, everything began with a creator, God. And God creates everything. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I realize that's a big statement. That's why we spent a whole week on it, why we believe God exists and is God real. If you haven't heard that message, I think you'll appreciate it because one of the things that the Bible says is that you don't even need the Bible to defend the existence of God or know that God exists. It's amazing. The Bible says you don't, even have, you don't have to use circular reasoning when it comes to God. You could prove God's existence without the Bible. That you don't have to know, you know a lot about the Bible to know a lot about God. You can see that God likes variety. Just when you look at the plants and the animals and the flowers, we know that God is organized. We know that God likes systems. We know uh, that God is powerful by looking at nature. We know that God is moral. 
and holy and perfect when we consider just the moral obligation that each of us have inside of us. We know a lot about God by looking at nature. We can't say, well, I don't know anything about God. I don't have a Bible. Romans chapter 1 says you can open your eyes and see his goodness. And where there is creation, there's evidence of a creator. Where there's design, there's evidence of a designer. Where there's moral law and obligation, there's a moral law giver. And you can look around and see the goodness of God. So when God created the heaven and the earth, it was perfect. It was good. It was paradise. It was amazing. But then creation rejected the creator. Creation rejected the Creator, and this rejection fractured the entirety of creation. Genesis 3.17, God would even say, cursed is the ground because of you. And as a result, nothing is as it should be. And we're all in on this at some level. We've all rejected our Creator at, at one time or another, and we have a responsibility to work together now to seek the good of it to make our surroundings reflect and be reflective of God's initial intentions. And God's plan is to restore the world to perfect, to like it was before, and the plan includes us. And the good news is that God desires for us to join Him in these plans for unity. I want to just walk through a passage of Scripture today found in the New Testament. In the book of Colossians, I'm going to stop here and there, but mostly let it speak for itself. Follow along with me. It says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. That's a very important statement. Because often I'll have conversations where someone says, I believe in God. And it becomes clear we're not talking about the same God. And I say, my God is Jesus, Jesus Christ. He's the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus Christ existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He, Christ, made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Verse 18. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross so the work of Christ the creation that rejected the creator can now be at peace with God and this is friend this is fall on your face drop to your knees rejoice give thanks pray surrender your whole life good news Why? Because of verse 21. This includes you. You can cross out the word you and put your name. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. 
And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. So through our faith in Jesus Christ, God no longer sees you as an enemy. When he looks at you, he sees Christ himself. He sees you holy, blameless, perfect, without a single fault. We are in Christ, and he sees Christ. Verse 23, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Don't drift away from it. You may have one time believed firmly in the goodness of God and in the truths of of this passage. Maybe you're struggling to believe that now. That's okay, but don't drift too far. Don't drift away from it. Okay, Ryland, where are you going with this whole thing? Why are we talking about this? What's this whole thing about? If creation has rejected the creator, and if the world is broken, that means this is not the way it was supposed to be. Can, can we just be reminded of that today? That we're pinning this stuff on God like it's God's will or hope, or that he takes pleasure that there's earthquakes and tsunamis and hurricanes and natural disasters and there's there's cancer or disease or death Jesus suffered for the suffering world so that we could find renewal in him so that he could fix this and it will be completed when Jesus brings heaven and earth fully together see we got to correct our thinking about this because um, much of what we believe about heaven has been portrayed in art and, and different things in our culture, and we've got it wrong, that we think the plan is some type of escape plan, that we'll just get to heaven, and it's perfect in heaven, and so we'll escape this broken earth and go to heaven where everything is perfect. Ultimately, what's going to happen is Jesus is going to come back, and he's going to bring heaven to earth, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and heaven's going to reside on this new earth that's been rebuilt the way it was supposed to be. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And it will be on earth as it is in heaven because heaven will be on earth. And the ultimate plan is not some escape plan. Jesus doesn't stop halfway. He says, no, things are broken. I'm going to fix them. I'm going to restore it. And I'm going to make it new again. And I'm going to kick out all of sin and all of rebellion. And everything you've ever wanted to do to that evil person who will not repent, Jesus will take care of it. And he'll fix it. And God is rescuing all of creation. That's what the story of scripture is. That's why we jump from Genesis to Revelation where in Revelation 21.4 it says he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And we experience pain because the world is broken, it is cursed. But Jesus is restoring all things from the brokenness of the world by the power, by his power and through his people. And I know this is a hard thing to hear when you're right in the middle of pain, but it's temporary it's temporary. And the way the world is right now is temporary. 
This is not what God has for you forever. Number two, we experience pain because of ourselves. And maybe you want to do like I did on my outline and cross out a couple of words and make it say, I experience pain because of me. Sometimes we experience pain because we are sinners. We make bad decisions accidentally or willfully, and these choices make our life a lot harder. Romans 3.23 tells us no one's exempt from this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Often life is hard because we do these things accidentally or willfully, but then we compound the problem when we don't respond to the consequences correctly. Proverbs 19.3 says people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then are angry at the Lord. And life is hard, not all the time, but life is hard because of me. Life is hard because of ourselves, more often than we care to admit. And no matter the sin, it's vital that we do not just simply step back and say, well, this is just who I am, and I live on a broken planet, and this is just the way it is, and fail to lean into the restoration that God wants to do inside of us. This is why the initial call of John the Baptist and Jesus was to, was to repent and believe, to confess, to come and find rest, to let Christ ease the hardness of sin. That we don't have to pay for every consequence of our sin. And even though we're experiencing pain because of ourselves, Jesus graciously forgives us when we confess our sin. And when we've dishonored him and made life more complicated, he still in his grace can step in. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Yes, we do things that cause ourselves pain, but we can be purified, we can be made new. If you're taking notes, number three, we experience pain because of someone else. Sometimes life is hard and we experience pain and even suffering, not because the world is broken, not because of ourselves, but because of someone else. We see this in scripture time and time again, the parable of the good Samaritan, someone sinned against it, left him for dead. Joseph is abandoned by his brothers in the Old Testament. David is fleeing for his life, account after account of people who had been sinned against. This is the story of Job. Job 2, 7 says, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. We experience pain because of someone else, and often that someone else is the great enemy. We We don't live in a playground. We live in a battleground. And every day we wake up, there is a battle for our heart. Every day you wake up, there is a battle for your attention and your focus and your attitude. And there's a battle for what you believe about the goodness of God. In fact, the story of Job is that Satan goes to God and he says to God, the only reason Job fears you And the only reason Job loves you and says you're good and worships you is because you give him whatever he wants. Satan says, if we were to take, if I were to take that all away, Job would curse you to your face. And God said, let's find out. Let's find out. 
And what we learn from that is that sometimes, we don't know when, but sometimes the pain we're experiencing is a test that has heavenly implications. And what I want you to know today is that if you are experiencing pain because of someone in your life or even because of the enemy, you're not alone. Jesus did not stay far away from this battle. So I could turn to God and say, God, how could you do that to Job? How could you release Satan to to rip everything from him and, and torture him like he did? How could you do that? But the question and the argument falls a little flat when you see God making himself subject to that decision as well. And coming in and Jesus not staying far away from the battle, but experiencing it. And to receive the brunt of the judgment that was deserved, Jesus responded to the great need of humanity by allowing himself to take the position of a victim and bear the sins and the folly of the human race. This is why Isaiah 53 says, He, Jesus Christ, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Therefore, when we are victimized, we should remember that Jesus not only can identify with us in our unjust treatment, but that he put shame to shame on the cross. And we can find power and cleansing in him. I don't know about you, but it makes a difference in my life that when I'm crying out to Christ, when I'm crying out to God, I'm not crying out to someone who does not know what I'm going through. I'm not crying out to someone who's far away from the pain that I'm experiencing, from the broken earth that I'm experiencing. That's why 1 John 1.7 says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from what? All sin. Yes, the, the sin nature that comes with This earth, yes, the sin that we've brought on ourselves, but even more than that, the sin that has been done to you. And God can heal that. And God can heal that pain. So we experience pain because the world is broken, because of ourselves, because of someone else. Number four, we experience pain to make us more like Jesus. So not everything bad in your life is bad for you. Not everything bad that happens to you is ultimately bad for you. Pain is not without purpose. You see, there's a built-in assumption when we come to this question of the problem of pain. The built-in assumption is that in order for God to be good, he must never allow evil. But there's a fallout from that way of thinking. To say good equals zero possibility of evil, it leaves God with two options. A, he could create nothing. Or B, God would create beings with no possibility of moral free will. And the paradox of free will is that in order for God to create beings capable of love, he must also create a world where suffering and pain could exist. And he could create a universe with no pain. God could have done that, okay? He could have, could have created a world and a universe where there was no potential for evil or pain. But you know what else that universe would be devoid of? Mercy. 
love, compassion, forgiveness, significance, true peace. There's no happiness in a world like that. And this is where God stands alone, and this is where Christianity stands alone, and it's absolutely amazing. No other worldview deals with pain correctly. Okay, lean into this for a second. We talked about in week one how to have a correct worldview, it's got to tackle certain things, one of them being origin. Like for a worldview to, to have any legs to stand on, it's got to deal with origin. It's amazing how many worldviews and religions don't even attempt to answer origin. Like where did the first thing come from? The first thing that ever existed, where did it come from? Many of them start with something already existing. Christianity goes all the way back to origin. Another thing uh, to have a correct worldview it's got to wrestle with and tackle is the problem of pain and suffering, the problem of evil. And no other worldview deals with pain correctly. So Buddhism, I'll just walk through these. I'm just going to paint a broad brush. So if, if you have experience with one of these religions, you'd say, well, there's really more strands than that and more things going on. I understand that. But I'm going to paint a broad brush, and I'm even going to paint Christianity with a broad brush. But Buddhism, their answer to pain is to transcend pain and suffering through detachment. That when you kill desire, you won't need anything anymore. Islam, and there's lots of strands of Islam, but the, the broad brush stroke is that you overcome suffering by submitting to a God who causes it and by detaching yourself from its effects. In Hinduism, and, and many of them believe this, Jainism, and this is even in Buddhism, but Hinduism is going to say suffering is karma. So it, it's pain, it's a result of problems you've caused in your past life, that it's, I mean, I mean they've come up with all these different things that are not true to explain karma. And we know that, karma, that what goes around comes around. They even brought a man to Jesus once and said, is this man blind? And they assumed he was blind because of something his parents had done or consequences of something like that. They didn't have the word for it, but they were basically saying, is this karma? And Jesus saying, no, this is not karma. That's not how it works. Naturalism, so evolutionary theory, says there's no, no purpose, no meaning for pain or suffering. And in fact, you can be the one to cause pain and suffering if it helps you survive. Guys, that is evolution. Evolutionary thinking says that there's no meaning or purpose and you are totally free to cause someone pain if it helps you survive. And Christianity steps in and stands totally apart with how it deals with pain and suffering. You want to know what Christianity says? Christianity says embrace suffering. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't detach yourself from it. Lean into it. Because through suffering, we are more and more acquainted and formed in the image of God's Son. And as you embrace suffering, do you know what you also embrace? Hope. And I believe that this next word from God's word is going to be a word for many people in this room right now. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 11, the Apostle Paul, who's going through a tremendous amount of pain right now when he's writing this. And he says, we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. 
perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. He says, we, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. He's making comparisons. He's playing on words. You could write your own. You could say, I'm struck down. I'm not struck out. I'm pursued by my enemies, but I'm not overtaken. In my weakness, I am strong. Even though I'm at the end of my rope, I am nowhere near the end of my hope. And our perishable bodies are subject to sin and suffering, but God never abandons us. And Paul would go on to say that the things that he was experiencing were actually furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is astonishing. Go find that somewhere else. That there's purpose to your pain. It's amazing. It's tremendous. There's a guy in our church who... um, is struggling uh, really bad right now with MS and has for quite a while. Uh, but he was baptized last, last week. If you were to look at him, you wouldn't know he was struggling with that. He was baptized last weekend. Then he was hospitalized this week with a major setback and a lot of pain. And if you were to go to visit him, what you would assume his message would be is, come on, seriously? I'm baptized, and the week after I'm baptized, God lets me go through, God has me go through this, all this pain and being hospitalized. No, do you know what his message is? He said, thank God for MS, because if it weren't for this struggle, I would have never have found God. I would have never have known God, and I would have never have found Jesus, and if it weren't for this struggle, I would forget him. And as he embraces it, You know what else he's also embracing? Hope, purpose, and life. And may I say to you that through the power of God and the power of Jesus Christ, that your weakest moment is when you are the strongest. Paul's, because of his faith, he could speak boldly. He says in another place in Romans 8, 17 through 18, he says, indeed, we suffer with him. Circle those two words, with him. He, when he's saying this, Jesus Christ is not sitting next to him as he's writing this, or is he? <laughs> he says, when you suffer, you're not alone. You may also be glorified with him. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that would be revealed in us. You're not alone when you're suffering. You're not alone in your pain. When you suffer, you suffer with him. And you'll also be glorified with him. We're suffering, but to those who love God, it does not compare to the glory we have in Christ Jesus. This broadens our view of why he would allow it. This broadens our view for why he would allow Pain, why he would create a world where pain is an option. And I know that's the big question today. You say, Ryland, here's four reasons that cause pain. I know why there's pain in my life. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and the question comes down to is why would he go ahead and create that world where pain could exist? And in a single statement, I can't give you what that answer is. Does God have a good reason for allowing pain? I cannot answer with certainty why God would allow pain. But when I look at the character of God, and when I look at the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, it tells me what the answer is not. 
And it tells me with certainty what the answer cannot be. And the answer cannot be because he doesn't love you. The answer cannot be because he isn't for you. The answer cannot be because he's not working all things together for good. The answer cannot be that he doesn't want his glory revealed in us. And the answer cannot be that he doesn't have a good answer. This changes our perspective on life. I had a season long ago, um, and if you're around me much, you know exactly what I'm talking about, where I just kept saying, this should be easier. This should be easier. This job should be easier. This, you know, whatever. This education should be easier. This marriage should be easier. Walking with God should be easier. Faith should be easier. And I was missing so much of the goodness of God. Because when I start with, this should be easier, it's easy to find excuses. When I start with, this should be easier, it's, it's easier to believe God is not good. Because that's what I'm looking for. But this shouldn't be easier. The world is broken right now, and it's a battle. And the world is going to tell you, God is hard. But life is good. Life is good. God is hard. No, life is hard. Life is hard. It is. But God is good. And when I start with life is hard, it's easier to find blessings along the way. Life is hard, but look how good God is. Life is hard, but look at God over here being faithful. Life is hard, but I'm going to make it. I may be at the end of my rope, but I'm not at the end of my hope. I may be hard-pressed on every side. Life is hard, but I am not crushed. I may be perplexed. Life is hard. I'm perplexed. There's tensions I've got to hold in my mind. It hurts sometimes, but I'm not in despair. Life is hard, but God is good. I may be hard-pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. I may be perplexed. I'm not in despair. This should be easier. Six trips to Lowe's just to fix one thing on the house. This should be easier. <laughs> dealing with this, this thing I'm dealing with should be easier. Now, life is hard. But friend, God is good. He is. Would you pray with me today? Just in your, in your seat right now, as you bow your head, would you just ask God to help you grasp and understand his goodness? Heavenly Father, it's just amazing to stand before these people today and to even see the people in the room whose heads are nodding up and down, that, that they're the ones in the room that I know are going through some of the worst pain of their life. But God, thank you for your goodness. God, help us to grasp and understand your goodness. Heavenly Father, if we would to really believe, if we would really believe that you are good, our fears would dissipate, our guilt would evaporate. God, I pray for any person in this room right now who is outside of Christ that at this moment you would flood their mind with a sense of how good and how kind you are.
that it might turn their heart towards you. God, I pray for the believers in the room who believe but aren't all in and they want to run their own lives. God, we declare that you are Lord of our life. Help us to believe that the path we're on will not end in destruction, but your path, while difficult, will lead to life. And as we believe and trust and follow you, God, we believe that you will never withhold any good thing from us. God, we set our hearts on you. Help us to trust you. God, we want to trust you. We want to believe you are good. Help us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.